two of our of our Battle Ready podcast. This is our men's ministry podcast, and we are going through a book by the by Steve Farrar. It's called Battle Ready. We have uh, already touched on weeks one and two, and for this week, this this coming week is we're going to be going through weeks three and four. And the main idea in this chapter is going to be the idea of gravitas, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But with me today in the studio is uh, guest host Tommy McDonald. Tommy, we greatly appreciate you joining us today. We have complete faith in you. Thank you. I did want to ask you, you know, we, uh, we've we been through week one. Did you have any initial thoughts just from what we went through in week one? I, I did. I, uh, after reading, when I first started reading the book, it was amazing to me. One of the things that stood out was uh, the resemblance, this book having been written in 2008, and just the the resemblance of what was going on then and what's going on now might not be as severe as it was then, right. but the market was declining. Uh, back then there were no jobs. People were really in dire straits. And uh, what he wrote then, how appropriate and how powerful it is for us today. Yeah. That was that was pretty, pretty uncanny how that was. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I, I took from that was um, the certainties of God, you know, his providence, his promises, and the plan that he has for us to give us hope. And uh, I thought that was really powerful, really powerful. And think about, and I think we talked about this last week too, the idea that these things, you know, 2008, 2022, and we're still doing the same things that were, you know, two, three thousand, four thousand years ago. You know, things change, the problems change. But the, the same anxiety, the same fears, and, and the same God that's there through all of it, it's pretty amazing. I, I think that's uh, one of the most important things. You know, we talked about Matthew 6 where Jesus says, don't worry. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's for infinity. It is forever. Yeah. And I wish we could grab hold of that and uh, really believe that wholeheartedly. But, yeah. you know, the evil one's out there trying to pull us away. So he uses all this um, chaos and calamity to just take our, our thoughts and our question, our faith a little bit and pull our trust from God away and put it into the world. And uh, I, I thought that was just so good how uh, Farrar weaved all that in there. Yeah, and I think that idea of God, God being so much bigger than all that that you just mentioned is a good segue into uh, the, the idea of chapter three in particular. Uh, he titled the chapter three "Gravitas," and I kind of had to look it up because uh, I've I've never used the word in a sentence in my personal life, uh, not recently, anyways. And so I really I wanted to go look it up, and so I did find a definition of gravitas, and this is what I got from the Cambridge Dictionary as a uh, is as a noun. It is seriousness and importance of manner causing feelings of respect and trust in others. And I, I still don't think that grasped fully what he was trying to come across, but it, this idea of seriousness and importance and a feeling of, of respect and, and trust, I think the trust is probably the key part there. And I think that's what we're going to get into is we kind of talk through some of these things 
in uh, from chapters three and chapters four. Chapter three is gravitas, and in chapter four he deals with some other things. Um, I did want to touch on what I want to do this week is just I want to get a couple of highlights from chapters three and chapters four, but I want to spend most of the time just kind of going through some some questions that Farrar brings up, and you know we'll probably dive into this more during our study during the week uh, on Tuesday, uh, but. Just to kind of hit a couple of highlights, like I said, chapter three, the title of the chapter is Gravitas, and he's going to be focusing on this this idea of character, and that's what separated Joshua and Caleb from these other ten spies. You know, we talked about last week that uh, the the twelve spies were the cream of the crop, so it's not like these were just ten jokers that they pulled off the side and said, hey, go into the land. You know, these were... Uh, Joshua and Caleb and these other 10 were of the same caliber people as far as leadership. Uh, but what Farrar points out is that the thing that separated them was their character. Yes. And so, and you can see that in the world today. Um, you know, uh, when you look at leaders, there's uh, some leaders that are good leaders, but they don't have character. Uh, you, were, you were talking about gravitas, and I, that's a term I don't use, but I, I do remember, uh, I hear that from politicians at election time. They're always talking about, oh, he has, uh, he's got great leadership qualities. He's got such gravitas. And I, I, I didn't know what that was years ago when I first heard that and I had to look it up and I thought, wait a minute, that's a, that's a little, uh, that's not appropriate for politicians. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, questioning character. When you look at it from God's standpoint uh, and God's character and the men that he, chose like Joshua and Caleb, uh, it speaks volumes. It does speak volumes. It does. Um, he's going to give four character traits in this chapter, in chapter three, uh, that distinguish a person of character. And just quickly, he talked about people that are guys that are men and women that are sober, meaning they're, they're temperate, they're calm, they're collected. And he actually uses a uh, passage from Titus 2 where Paul's talking about the qualities of, of who would be an elder, um, but he he recognizes this as, yes, we want those qualities in our elders, but we really want those qualities in, in anybody that God is going to use. Um, and so he mentions uh, being sober, being temperate, uh, being serious, and he, he kind of clarifies serious as being uh, dignified and serious about responsibilities. And uh, a, a person of character is sensible, you know, they're, they're clear-minded, uh, and they're sound in their faith, they're sound in love, they're sound in perseverance. And um, one other thing that I didn't put in my notes about chapter 3 was he talks about, uh, when he's talking about gravitas, he's talking about these uh, innate characters of God that make him bigger than all the things that are around us. And so there's a lot of good things from chapter 3, too. A uh, couple of things there. You talked about that sensible and clear-minded uh, in reading that, I loved what he said, uh, where when you're sensible, you exercise reliable judgment. Uh, and I think it went on to say, you're mastered by the master. And I, to me, that was so powerful is that if you're, if you're gonna have a mentor or somebody that's going to show you how you should live your life uh, and do what Titus II said there, I mean, who better than the creator? Yeah. And, and, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I, I thought that was so powerful. It was. Um, 
going on to chapter four real quick, just a couple of highlights. Uh, the title of the chapter is Slaves. Um, and he, he starts off talking about this idea that, uh, you know, Joshua and Caleb were slaves. That's how they started off their life. You know, they, they come onto the picture really kind of later in numbers. And so you're kind of already into the story when you're introduced to them. And it's, you, you kind of forget that that was their life. That's what they grew up as. Uh, so they did not know anything other than being slaves. And so chapter four really focuses in on this idea of what did it mean that, how did it affect them? How did it affect Joshua and Caleb? And how did it affect the people in general? But how did it affect them as leaders, the fact that they started off their lives as slaves? And he goes into that. And a, a few things that he mentions about um, when, when a man is a slave, he says these things. He says, when a man is a slave, he, he faces these giants. He faces this idea that life has few or no results. A, a, they face a life in a scenario of unfulfilled dreams as a slave. And they have a daily experience of physical and emotional exhaustion. And they have a future with few or no prospects. And that was, that was how they were raised. That's how they... You know, by the time you get to Joshua and Caleb and where the Israelites were, they've been there for 400 years. They've been in slavery for part of that time, not not the whole 400 years, but they've been a slave for part of this time, and that's that's what they knew. That was what they understood. Uh, that's what was, you don't want to say comfortable for them, uh, but that's, that was just life for them. And God pulls them out of this and puts them into a position where they're going to be in particular, we're talking about Joshua and Caleb, where they're going to be leaders having grown up in this background. And so that's what chapter 4 focuses on. And I, th I think, too, um, as you read on through that, and I think what uh, Farrar is trying to do and what God does with us is that um, having, having little or no expectations for a good life, uh, being in bondage, Egyptian bondage for those years, and everybody telling you what to do, to have that freedom to step into that role, um, I think God used every bit of those trials and hardships that they had to prepare them for this particular time where he would use them in a, in a really mighty and uh, incredible way uh, for uh, the Israelite nation. Outside of what we just talked about, did you have anything that kind of stood out to you from either chapters 3 or 4? Um, one of the things, uh, uh, just to touch on briefly, that uh, the character traits uh, in Titus 2, he talked about in sound in faith. Uh, and I believe he's, I always go to Hebrews 11, 1 when I think about what, what, what is faith. But he said that faith was, was believing who God is and what he has said. What are his promises? What are his truths? And I, that really stood out to me because uh, I think we gloss over that a lot. We don't we don't think about that. Uh, but in chapter four, I, I thought it was really really good um, that if you follow God, you're going to suffer. There are going to be trials, and I think we talked about that in last week uh, in our in our Bible study. And but that suffering's going to come, but. That's God preparing each of us to be used by him to uh, show his glory and to show and reveal Jesus Christ to others. Yeah. And 
you have to have that character. You have to have that. Um, um, you have to have that desire to want to please God, and use the skills and talents He's given you to to carry that mission to the fullest. Yeah, because we did mention that a few times. Like that was a key idea last week. Was yeah. if you're going to be used, you are going to suffer. It, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's kind of scary too, but but, uh, but that's that's the difference that a, a a godly person of character that's the difference that that character makes exactly those 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 traits those qualities because if you have those traits and you have that dependence on God then that's that's what makes a can can and definitely makes a huge difference in the way that we live our lives exactly uh, he talked about the tribulation what it produces and uh, th that's this tribulation these trials is the process by which God builds um, character in us and he said that tribulation produces patient endurance and and I thought that was really really good because uh, he had talking about the other ten that they they just fell apart once they saw what was in the promised land and they came back and they were negative they had no faith and trust in God all they saw were the negatives and I think that patient endurance which Joshua and Caleb had showed the ability to to stick with the plan to trust God and and not fall apart when the when the going got tough yep and I think what stood out to me from chapter three in particular and I think that these are the things that stuck out to Joshua and Caleb that allowed them to to be able to do that and that was these uh, these traits of of God and you know and I think this is where the gravitas part came in was uh, he says there's there's four facts about God that are equally as important if you're going to be sound in faith, if you're going to be able to stand up against those trials. And uh, the first one was that God is self-existent. Uh, I've, I've never been able to wrap my arms around that idea that God is, he doesn't require anybody else. He doesn't, re he, he did not require anybody to get started. He just was there. He's always been. And I've never been able to wrap my mind around that, but if you can wrap your mind around that idea that there is something out there that's greater than you that is infinitely more powerful than you can ever be, and you can rely on that, you know that makes a huge difference. Um, he said, The entire creation depends upon him for his existence, but God is dependent on nothing. He is the source of all life and the sustainer of life, including your life. And I thought that was pretty powerful and then the second character trait he talks about is god is unchanging um you know how many times we we change just in a matter of hours and uh but god's character never changes you know we're i, I remember teaching some classes about faith and uh, we always wonder well where were you god when trials come where were you why did you allow that to happen and uh uh, every commentary, everything I've ever read was, you know, God never wavers. Yeah. He is the constant. We're the ones that vacillate back and forth and waver. And consequently, um, we're, we're the ones that allow Satan and allow trials and suffering and hardships to change us, but not him. But not him. No. And then he mentioned that God is is infinite. That's another one that I have trouble with, uh, and that's just because we have finite minds. We can't comp we we can't fully comprehend the idea of something with no beginning and no end. Yeah. Uh, we just can't. It it 
if you start to think about it, your your brain just kind of goes to mud. It and, and but God is infinite, and he he points out, he says he says why is this so critical? Because when you are in a crisis and crying out to Him, He will never put you on hold. He is present everywhere in the fullness of all that He is and all the powers He has. And needy souls praying to him anywhere in the world are to see the same fullness of undivided attention. I thought that was so good. Um, he talked about his infinity, his immensity, and his transcendence. And I thought, whoa. I mean, if you're going to have a God, that's, that's who, that's you, who you want. your God yeah. right there. You know? yeah, absolutely. So that was incredible. And he says, he asked why it matters. And... I think this is the reason that Caleb and Joshua were able to look at the same circumstances that the other ten did, and they were able to come up with a different answer. And I think it's because of this. He says, the more you know who God is, the more sound you will be in faith and truth. And the more you are sound in faith and truth, watch this, the more he will use you. Yes. And uh, you know, I think this kind of goes back to this idea that, you know, Eric, Petty put us through last year of uh, it's not just about knowing about God. We can know a lot of things about God, but until you really start to know God, things won't change. And I think that's where Caleb and Joshua, they, they knew God. These other 10 knew about God, but that it wasn't enough to change their life. And there's, there's a big difference in knowing about God and knowing and experiencing God every single day. Um, and I think that's our challenge because our world is so busy. Um, we, we put so many other things ahead of our time with God. Yep. And um, I think that's critical. Um, one of, and you may touch on this, but one of the things I, I remember and I wrote down uh, where he talked about the process by which God builds character in us is that's where we glory and he glories in tribulations. And then he went on to say that God uses these seasons of barrenness and hardship to prepare us for fruitfulness and influence. Mm -hmm. So um, when, we're, when we are suffering and going through trials, I think we need to think about, okay, uh, and I, I guess we could look at uh, the fruit of the Spirit and say, okay, are these characters coming out of me every single day when things are good, when things are not so good? And are we being fruitful? And if we're fruitful, then we can be an influence for God. Ah, that just blew me away right there. Yeah. It, 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 it can all blow you away, and especially when you really start thinking about how God can change your life when he uses you and how he uses you and, you know, the, the consequences of God using you. Um, I wanted to kind of flip over to one of the questions that we were going to look at, and I think this flows right in line with what you were talking about. Um, I'm going to read f Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, and then let's, let's hang on this for just a second. So this is Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with his love. 
And as you as you've been talking about this, uh, the way that trials and tribulations build on these qualities, it reminds me of when we were going through Peter, the I think First Peter, and he talked about how these things build their stepping stones and they build on each other. Yes. And so as we think about what Paul is saying here, what do you think this verse teaches us about how God prepares? Our question is how he prepares his leaders for difficult circumstances, but how does he prepare just us in general uh, for difficult circumstances? What is Paul trying to tell us? I, you know, I think sometimes I think we uh, sell ourselves short uh, because when we're asked to do something with church work or in a workplace or just in a in the community or with family or something, when, when we have an opportunity to share Jesus and uh, to talk about our relationship with God, I think we we just sometimes think, oh, I'm just I just can't do that. I'm not I don't have the skills and talents, but God created each of us um, with unique and special gifts and skills and talents that only we could use mm-hmm. uh, and. When you take me and you and Eric and Skyline and you start putting all that together, then you've got this massive army of people that are out there um, glorifying him. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's that's what he wants us to see. Um, but does that come easy? No. no. Uh, we have to step out of our comfort zone sometimes when God says, here's what I'd like for you to do. Yeah. And I think Paul's telling us too that... Uh when you step out, you're, you're going to face things. And it's not that God, and I think we talked about this last week, it's not that God is causing those bad things to happen or he's not causing those tribulations to happen, but he does allow those things to happen in order to, like Paul says, develop endurance. And through endurance, we're going to develop strength of character and then hope of salvation. You know, if you if you take it to the example of a, an athlete who's training, you know, when, when that athlete, that a, a runner doesn't, when the first time they ever go out and run, they don't go out and run a marathon. They go out and they run around the block and they get home winded. But the more that they run, the more that they endure that challenge, the more that they're able to, uh, to build up. And as they as they continue to go, as they continue to face the trials, as they expand from running around their block to running down the street and up the hill and around bigger blocks, they are, they're able to do more, uh, you know. But uh, as we face these challenges, as we face these trials, it, that's what Paul is trying to tell us that it, these things are are meant for a purpose. That's to build your character, because as you build character. As Joshua and Caleb built character, they built strength, and they they had I like this idea of this confident hope. You know they they saw past the giants, they saw past the challenges to know there is a hope that God has provided. God has given us this promised land. God has given us this, and He's going to be with us as we go through it. Exactly, and and to me that's what um, I couldn't understand. You know why? But why the ten? saw it as such a negative thing mm-hmm. and but I, I we do the very same thing today every day i mean people that are called on to do things they just i, 
uh, can't do it. I'm not equipped to do that. Um, but I, I believe that God has a purpose for each of us. And uh, if we will, uh, if we'll just, as you said, step outside the door, take that first few hundred yards running, then our endurance builds up. And, and we're not on our own. I think sometimes we have to think we have to tackle this all by ourselves. But God's right there with us. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a measured process. And he's in control. Uh, we're his tool. And we just have to trust that all of this is going to be end up with, as he said, fruitfulness and influence. Yeah. Not about us. Not it's about, about us. God. It's about God. And when you think about... This, this was a giant, and we haven't got to this part in the in the story of Joshua and Caleb, uh, but something you said reminded me of this. God gives Joshua this giant task. After Moses dies, he gives Joshua this task of leading the people into the promised land. Uh, you know, it's time for you to cross the river. It's time for you to take on this challenge. And... Apparently, Joshua had some reservations about it because just in Joshua chapter 1, God has to say three or four times, be strong and, and don't worry, I am with you. Uh, just like you said a second ago, God gives us these challenges or he allows these challenges to come in front of us, but he does not make us do them by ourselves. And when you when you realize that you're not doing it by yourself, that's when you can face these challenges and have a different mindset about it. And the good thing for us, we know God's preparing us for it, but God puts Eric Forsyth, he puts Eric Petty, um, he puts, you know, shepherds in my life mm -hmm. to come alongside you when you're going through these trials, and you're not doing it by yourself. And I think Satan would have us to believe that, man, God... He neglected you, your your brothers in Christ have neglected you. That's not true. It, it's it's a community, and um, it, it's a powerful, powerful community. And Satan knows that. Yeah. But uh, so so we give God the glory for that. We do. I wanted to read Ephesians two verse ten. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty familiar verse, but it's got a powerful little section. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. And I think this is the important part. We can do the good things he planned for us long ago. As we think about this idea of God has planned good things for Tommy to do, for Eric to do, for Randall to do, for Eric to do, God planned for those a long time ago. How does knowing that God has a plan for you help you face seasons of life where you see little or no results? And how does God use these seasons of, like you said, barrenness uh, to prepare us as men? Um, I think it's different for each one of us because he's, he's given us, each one of us, different skills and talents that, that we can use. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's something where we have to dig really, really deep into our, into our, our spirit, and realize that uh, how valuable we are to God, mm -hmm. and we're His tool, uh, and He, 
as you said, it's, it's been he prepared us years ago, even before we came, came into existence. Right. And because of that, he is right there with us. And we sell ourselves short, um, like the 10 sometimes. But Joshua and Caleb, um, they remembered what it was like to be a slave. And then now they're seeing the hope and the promise that he has given them. And God's given us that same promise. Yeah. And that promise is that, yeah, you're going to be on this earth for a short time. And you're going to suffer trials and tribulations. But I'm going to make you use those in a good way to bring honor and glory to me and to share the love, the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ with others. We're producing fruit. And, and uh, I think if we can ever get, you're talking about the training, if we, can, if we can go into that training and condition our minds and our hearts and our spirits that I can do this because God's with me. Eric Forsythe's running alongside me. Carl Rudd, Alan DeJarnett, they're, they're encouraging me all along the way. Then, then we can overcome this barrenness and hardship and we can be fruitful and we can be a huge influence for God. Um, but I think it's something we have to do a deep, deep, deep soul search and realize it's there and push ourselves. Mm -hmm. I heard something, and I think I mentioned this last week too, but I heard that I heard a preacher say uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, he talked about timing of when God puts people where he wants them. And he said, you know, God put Moses in the exact moment in time that he needed Moses. Moses was the right man for that job. Uh, you know, Joshua was the right man for the job that Joshua got. Um, you know, Peter was the right man at the time that God needed Peter. You know, God needed Paul for a certain time and a certain place. But God didn't put Moses here in 2022. He didn't put Paul here in 2022. He put Tommy. He put Alan. He put Eric. He put Tim. You know, he put all these people right where he wanted them at the right time. And it's it, it's interesting when you think about that, when you look at this verse that tells you, you know, God planned a long time ago. And when you, you know, when we, and we talked about it, we were in Ephesians last study, and we talked, you know, there's this idea that God had plan, God had a plan in place before he even created the world. And when you start, you know, when you really put it, that, that brings in this idea of gravitas, uh, this idea that's bigger than we are. And that, that can have a huge impact on you, especially as, as you're listening to this, uh, you know, you're, you're going, you're going your way to work or you're, you're in a position at your job. You're in a position in your family. You're in a position here at, at, at Skyline uh, as as just somebody that's coming uh, as a leader in your job, as a leader in your family. God put you right where he wanted you. And a long, long time ago, before he even breathed this world into existence, he said, I've got a job for you, and you're. I'm going to put you in 2022 right where I need you to be. And that that's uh, heavy. Uh, that's very heavy. Um, I, 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 
wish we could grasp that. Um, the world, we, the world would want us to believe that we're enslaved to it mm -hmm. and the things that we think the world can provide us. Carl would say the flesh. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing any more special than knowing that we were created by God for his purpose. Um, we were given skills and talents and blessed by him to, to share with others. And um, the, 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 the riches, the glory, the reward that the world could offer pales in comparison. If we could get this in our mind, that there would be nothing any better than being a servant of God and, and knowing that you lived your life. You may have only touched one person, but you touched that person and uh, their life was changed forever. Our lives were changed forever. And I, I, the world has such pull on us and that's where we're enslaved. But we really are free in Christ. I go back to our, I think about our uh, teaching on the foundations, you know, yeah. um, and that was, that was really powerful for me. And, and that's what we build on. And I think this, this study that we're doing now is just another building block to help us uh, attain the, the rewards and the glory that God would want us to have on this earth. And in, in the end, he's glorified by all of it. And uh, yeah. that's where our focus needs to be. Yep. So as we wrap up this this session, do you have any wrapping up thoughts before we kind of uh, call it an evening or morning or afternoon whenever you're listening? Uh, um, I, I, something I read, I think it was in, in chapter four, uh, he talked about being a leader and he gave four four facts about being a leader where he said that a leader has to be tested before he's trusted. Yep. A leader has to be seasoned before he's successful and he has to be prepared before he's promoted. And lastly, this is the kicker. He has to be refined before he's ready. And, um, we should, we should rejoice that God wants to use each of us, that we are part of his plan, part of his big story that began before time ever began. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Still mind blowing to me to think about, Absolutely. to think about that. It's a, it just yes. can't wrap, you can't wrap your mind around it. No way. No. no way. So uh, what do we want you to do this week? We want you to read chapters three and four. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, read chapters three and four, uh, read through Ephesians two. Uh, and, and for context, it's probably good to go back to Ephesians one uh, read through Titus chapter two, as like I said, that, that's Paul giving instructions to Titus on on putting pastors and elders in place, or I guess it was the same thing, but uh, putting elders in place. Uh, but consider those as the character traits that you want to aspire to as well. So read through that. Read through Romans chapter five. Uh, those are some good places to read up on. Continue to refresh your, yourself on the story of Joshua and Caleb. And uh, that, that's some uh, tasks to do this week. And uh, just pray that God opens your heart. And uh, let these things soak in and let, uh, let God show you how he plans to use you. And, how, and, and pray for the strength that Joshua needed uh, to face the challenges that he faced. And just 
think through Joshua chapter 1 as God is preparing Joshua. Pray, for, pray over those things as well. Yep. Can you uh, close this out in a prayer, Tommy? Thanks for asking me to do this, Eric. Thank you for joining. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for the blessings you pour out to us each day. God, I thank you for the study that we're in. I thank you for Eric and Eric and the time they put into it. I thank you for the powerful words that uh, we hear um, as we go through this life and, and how there are giants that we will face. But... God, we know that you're bigger than any giant we'll ever face. And in the end, God, you win. And we definitely want to be on your side. And I pray that every day that we will try to uh, live and produce fruit in our life that will be uh, an influence to others that we encounter. And when we do that, God, you will receive all the glory for that. Thank you for our time uh, in this study. Thank you for the lives that will be touched by this study. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. 